Welcome to 5 to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Thank you, listeners, uh, for so faithfully listening to our episodes and providing us feedback. Uh, for those of you who are new or perhaps you've been listening a while, just wanted to make you aware we do have show notes available. Uh, we simply ask for your first name, last name, and email. And our goal with the show notes, one of the goals, is to help you carry on the conversation. So please consider uh, logging in and uh, clicking on show notes, and we'll get those out to you each week. Try to find what all these statements have in common. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my neighbor's dog. I love fried cheese. Okay, so 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 you get it. The the term love is in all of those, obviously. But unfortunately, in the English language, at least from my perspective, the English language, the term love really doesn't do it justice because love takes so many different forms and, and facets. And so in this episode today, uh, Dr. Rhoda is going to look at love in, in a very unique way. So we oftentimes talk about needing to love our students. And that's, how, well, that's why this is re a relevant conversation is today. I'd like to talk about agape love, unconditional serving other people kind of love. Let me just predicate this by saying loving our students is our choice. Choosing to look for and see the good in them is our choice. We have a choice. We don't have to genuinely love and care for our students. There are some teachers who don't. But I believe that if you want to be a truly effective teacher, I believe you must. Each individual student, the one with no social graces, the one with body odor that makes it difficult to stand too close to, the one that seems to lack enthusiasm, the one that's really full of herself, the one that seems mean-spirited, the one that always needs extra time, the one that always finds pleasure in pushing your buttons. Each individual child wants to be loved. And in order to truly be able to help him or her reach their full God-given potential, during the brief time that we have with them in our classroom, love is the closest thing we have to a secret sauce to making a culture where we can really have a powerful classroom space. Parents, it's your choice to choose to love your child at all times, even when they're not very lovable. It's a choice that you make. It doesn't depend on them or what they do. It depends on you and how you think and what you do. And as you are going through this list, I am saying to myself, oh, that would be Dan. <laughs> oh, that would be Tom. Oh, that would be Michelle. And then it gets much more personal when you talk about parents because I often think, wow, it, it is my choice and I don't always make good choices. Yeah, I, I think a powerful statement is, you will never look in the eyes of a person God does not love. And we are his conduit. We get to share that love with other people. That person who cuts you off on the freeway, they really, at the end of the day, just wanna be loved. The person who talks too loud on her cell phone and is holding up the line at the grocery store, she really wants to be loved. The waitress who gives you lousy service. The person posting ugly comments about politics on social media. The child who is tap dancing on your last frazzled nerve. They all want to be loved. So if they speak poorly of us, they want to be loved just like me. And here's what's so incredible to me. I can do this. I have love to give. It's free. One of the things I love about the God we serve is he's very, very generous. 
And everything that we truly, truly need, he has provided in abundance. And he gives it to us, and then we're supposed to share it with other people. So he gives us forgiveness, and we appreciate and enjoy and relish that forgiveness, and then we share it with other people. He gives us peace, we share that peace with others. He gives us joy, we share that joy with others. He gives us money, financial resources, time, we share those things with others. It's just how God works. He gives us love, we share that love with others. We're his conduit. He works with us and through us to love the world. There's an exercise that's been a wonderful blessing to me throughout my life. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now here's the, the exercise that I do that's been very powerful for me. Reread those passages again. And every time it says love or it, insert your name. So now I'm saying, and I'm kind of measuring how well I'm doing here. Rhoda is patient. Mm, not so much. Rhoda is kind. Rhoda does not envy. Rhoda does not boast. Rhoda is not proud. She doesn't dishonor others. She's not self-seeking. She's not easily angered. She keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, boy, <laughs> that's a good little yardstick it, to measure it, yourself. It's, it's really powerful. And, and in fact, I, I can tell you, in tonight's family devotion, we're going to do this exercise because mm -hmm. you reading through it from scripture first, mm -hmm. it doesn't really sink in mm -hmm. as much as when you insert your name. So I'll, and, keep, I'll keep you posted. Okay. And here's the thing though. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to love good enough. I'm never going to be kind enough. I'm never not going to be proud or I'm, I'm always going to be there's always things that I'm going to struggle with with this. I fall short. I'm not good enough. And that's okay because I have a Savior who is good enough. And he's paid the price for me messing this up. And now because of that, I know I'm not going to do it well enough, but I can still do it. I'm going to love the people he puts around me. I'm going to do my best to be patient. I'm going to do my best to be content with what he gives me and not to be envious and to not be boastful and to not be proud. I'm going to mess up, but his mercies are new every morning. That's the power of this. It's not what we do. It's the power of him in us, working through us and doing this. This is agape love. This is perfect, unselfish, unconditional love, the type of love that God has for us. And I think on that point, I'm often reminded in Romans 5, 8, where it says, but God demonstrated his own love for mm -hmm. us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it had nothing to do right. with our reaction or our reception toward God. It had everything to do with God and his love for us. His perfect love for us that is self, that is, that serves us. God's love for us doesn't depend on what we do, what you were just saying. It's completely dependent on him. Unconditional love does not depend on anything the other person says or does. As we love others with that same love, we reflect the agape love we've been given. So whether that student is lovable or not, we're going to choose to love them. Imagine your love for your husband or your wife has nothing to do with what they say or do. Your love for your child is not based on what they do or how they act. Your love for your parents holds no record of wrongs, but instead protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Agape love means you support and encourage your friend, even though it feels like you often give more than you receive. Even if they forget your birthday, or if they always vent their frustrations with ever, without ever asking about yours. Agape love doesn't depend on what they do. It depends on what you choose to do. 
And agape love is motivated by a servant's heart because of how Jesus has loved us. And this is really interesting because in my conversations with my kids, when you really start getting into this, people by nature often expect or want something in return. We want to keep score. We want to keep score. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's how our society is. And so this is truly powerful and will impact how you approach life if you get this. Because when you go into fill in the blank, a meeting, when you have a talk with your spouse or when you sit down with your child, if you have that mindset that it's pure love, regardless of all the taintedness of sin, very, very meaningful. This is a culture shifter, right? This changes cultures in families, in classrooms, in societies, when it doesn't matter what the other person does, it's what you do. You're going to choose to act and think and speak and do from a place of love. Agape love means you love your husband with a perfect love, whether he takes out the garbage or not, whether he forgets your anniversary or whether he brings you flowers. Regardless of the unkind or insensitive things he may say, you choose to love him with no conditions on that love. It's your choice. You love Your love for him isn't dependent on what he does. You love him because you choose to love him. He's the object of your love. You have chosen to love him. You've chosen to be with him. Unconditional means there are no conditions in which you would not love him. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't have expectations and boundaries in our relationships. God certainly has expectations for us, and he's established very clear boundaries, but he loves us regardless. So that is the love God has for us. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. His love is perfect. And because he has done this for us, we now share that same love with others. First John tells us we love each other because he first loved us. This is a tall order, and I fall short every single day. But fortunately, there's forgiveness due to his agape love for me. His mercies are new every morning, and each day we begin again. So there's a lot of pressure when we insert our name into that blank of love. And a wise friend, she's actually one of my former students. I just love it when our former students come back and teach us valuable life lessons. Mm -hmm. Amanda, if you're listening, Amanda said, uh, reminded me that it's not us. We have a God that is love and fulfills it in every way. And love from us that is pure and acceptable is the love of God. You have that love. And you have that love to give away. You can share that love with your family, with your students, with the person that cuts you off. Everybody wants to be loved. We have love to give. So I guarantee you, before the day is up, you will have an opportunity to practice putting this love into action. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, everybody, everybody wants to be loved. Number two, remember, love is a choice, your choice. Number three, uh, pick up a Bible and go to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. And as you read through that, insert your name in place of love. Number four, remember, you acting in love doesn't guarantee that the reaction will be what you want. In other words, the other person's reaction doesn't matter. And number five, remember, everybody wants love and you have love to give. Or as Dr. Rhoda would say, tag, you're it. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. 
If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.